And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? It's a Big Hulk. Really excited about this episode. Uh, before we get started, uh, I just want to say that uh, we're thinking about Kentucky. I got a lot of family uh, that lives in Bowling Green, and I know it was a really tough uh, weekend with the storms and the tornado that came through. Uh, luckily, my family is all safe. Uh, their homes are intact, but a lot of people lost uh, lost their homes and lost their uh, place of work, and I know it's a really bad situation. So SHWW is thinking about you, and I will be there uh, in a week because I'm going home uh, for the for the holidays. Um, but uh, really bad uh Really bad weekend for Kentucky, but we'll bounce back, and we're uh, thinking about everybody. Absolutely. As somebody who grew up on the coast and dealing with a lot of hurricanes and stuff when I was a kid, uh, and all friends and family still had to go through that, every kind of hurricane season, a natural disaster thing is something that uh, you know kind of resonates with me too. And like you said, Big Hawk, man, just thoughts and prayers go out to all those people out there. I know they're going through a lot of stuff, and uh, I wish everybody nothing but the best. But um Moving on to the sports, lighten things up a little bit. Uh, Carolina did not look so great versus Elon. We got UCLA coming up next. We got a bunch of NFL stuff going on. We got Brian Kelly just ditching Notre Dame. We love talking about those guys. And uh, then they turned around and whipped Kentucky, uh, UK the other night, which uh, kind of sours our, our our hate fest on Notre Dame. But uh, I think I just said something. And then the Formula One thing. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys are addicted to Formula One all of a sudden like uh, old Sleep Dog after the Netflix documentary, but championship race was yesterday as we're recording. And uh, one of a few times, oh, me and Big Hawk don't see eye to eye on this one. We'll get into that later, but we'll get started like we always do, uh, breaking down the heels against Elon. What'd you think, man? Uh, I mean, the mission is to win them. Uh, we definitely won this one, but we could have done some things better. Uh, there's no such thing as a perfect game. Uh, so uh, keep that in mind, but we, we definitely didn't play a perfect game. You know, we had 11 assists, 16 turnovers. That's something that I've talked about uh, when you play teams like Elon, especially around the, the break and you have uh, final exams week. You know, I think it's a tough time for students to stay uh, focused and concentrated because you got a lot going on. You got the holidays coming up, and it's easy because Elon isn't a powerhouse. Uh, it's a you know, it's a it's a university close by, and you could easily overlook them and catch yourself in a fist fight right there in the Smith Center against somebody you should easily beat. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a fist fight, but it was uh, a little like a pillow fight. Yeah, pillow fight. I mean, sixty three to eighty. That's still we didn't cover, uh, but the great teams cover. We didn't cover. We, I think we've covered once, once. maybe twice. Uh, I believe it's <laughs> once. Uh, yeah, but we didn't cover. Um, you know, like I've said, when you play these games, uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, what should we do? How should we play? You got to play your best style of basketball, and what you do, you got to be great at it. Okay, and that that goes for if you're playing against 
uh, the worst team in the NCAA or you're playing against the best team in the NCAA. You do what you do best, okay? You learn as much as you can about the the opponent and you try to limit what their uh, strengths are and you try to uh, know that. Um, but also, when you come to play, you play your style of basketball. And I, I, I don't like that in sport where people just try to change the whole dynamic of the team. Uh, but when you play these games, uh, obviously, we're much more talented than uh, than Elon. Sleep, I might be wrong. I think it was a little closer. I'm not sure on the score. But when you play games like Elon, internally, your focus should be on you. You try to limit your turnovers. You try to show up and you try to do what you do best and you come to play. You know, we had, uh, like I said, 11 assists, 16 turnovers. Obviously, we've talked about assists. We averaged 15 before the game. We want to get that up. I'd like to see it somewhere. Duke averages like 17-something. I'd like to see us in the 18, 19 category. That means we're sharing the ball and the chemistry is coming along. I thought Caleb played uh, really good, 22 points, five rebounds. I thought uh, Dawson played well, too. What would you think? Yeah, I mean, it's like you kind of look – we didn't shoot well and we turned the ball over a lot. Other than that, I mean, if you look at the box score, we, we you know, we did well. Uh, we, we shot poorly from three. We shot poorly from the floor. I think if you even shoot mediocre, we're going to run away with it. Uh, they shot – you know, marginally better from the floor than we did. And I think the, you know, having 16 turnovers against a team like Elon, I mean, that's just something you got to clean up. And I think if you do that, if you got 10 turnovers and shoot 45% from the floor, I think you win this game by 30 points, which is what, you know, everybody, you know, probably should have expected out of it. So, I mean, again, at the end of the day, you you come away with a win and, and, you know, anytime these teams are coming up against us, you got to expect they're probably going to play about as well as you know they're going to play any other game because they got nothing to lose and they got so much to gain not in terms of like notoriety or anything but like everybody's coming in there and this is like their super bowl and that's a tale as old as time but it's true they do in a way though this might be the only time they're on tv Mm -hmm. uh you know how many people north carolina has such a nationwide following how many how many times is somebody in california gonna watch elon that didn't go to elon i mean this is if I'm playing for Elon, chances are you might have grown up in North Carolina because, let's just face it, they're probably not getting many players outside of the state, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go to Elon, but you've watched North Carolina your whole life, and that is your dream. So what you're doing is you're hyping this game up. You're circling this one on the calendar. This mm-hmm. is all right. This is where we go. You know, I've always wanted to play here. I've watched the great players come through there. I've been to many games. I'm at a small school big stage, nationally ranked team, usually, this is our chance. So it is kind of, in a way, a tough game, given the circumstances of the finals. Students are gone. It's a, it's a lazy time. You got your guard down, and then you got somebody so excited to play you. These are tough games. I don't want to write that off. Right, yeah, and especially, too, you still have to remember as a fan, right, that you're still talking about a bunch of kids that, like, you know, this is like, I would imagine you can obviously speak to this better than I can, but, you know, from a rhythm standpoint, you know, you're getting into your root, you're, you're getting way outside of what I would imagine is your standard routine, given the fact that you, you know, don't have like the class schedules different and all this other sort of stuff. And you're still trying to stay focused and honestly take some of these opponents seriously. And, and sometimes that's got to be hard to do, uh, depending on the makeup of your team, right? And we still have a relatively young team uh, that probably just thinks that they can come. And, and quite frankly, you know, they were probably on, you know, autopilot this whole game. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it never really was close, even though it was closer than it should have been. And, um, you know, I mean, Elon is terrible, but they didn't look that terrible when they were playing us. You know, they seemed coherent and played, you know, yeah. played well. But, 
you know, you gotta, you gotta learn, like, you're not gonna be, I saw some people complaining today, and I was complaining last week that we didn't get back into the top 25, I think we came in ranked 27 in a poll today, and you're not gonna, you're not gonna break the top 25 in a, in a game like that, you know, like, you gotta go out and beat the shit out of some of these teams, and then, you know, you got an argument, but you can't have a, a lackluster effort against a poor opponent and expect to, you know, uh, you know, claw your way back in the top 25. Yeah, and, you know, like we said before the season, this team has talent, but they don't have – they're not talented enough where they just show up and they're going to beat teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had teams in Carolina that, you know, they're just so talented. They have multiple NBA guys, and they have the ability to, you know, put it on cruise control mm-hmm. and win, beat an Elon by 20. This isn't that type of team. They're not established yet. I think Caleb's playing well. Armando's playing well. But th- these are young guys that – you know, they're sophomores. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not junior, senior that have like built a foundation to kind of take a night off. And the, the the thing with that is when you get to that level, you understand that you got to bring it every night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're still trying to work at that. These games are important, especially for everybody on the team, because even though we've had one conference game against Georgia Tech, you're trying to set this rotation and you're trying to build that chemistry because after December, man, you get into mid-January, early January, this is where conference starts, mm-hmm. okay? And this isn't a time to find your place, find your rhythm, okay? Find your rot- rotation's pretty much set when you get to conference, all right? This is a big boy league. This is where it starts, okay? So if I'm a UNC player right now, I'm trying to, everything I do, I'm trying to bring it every single day in practice. I'm trying to bring it every single day. Uh, any minute I get any opportunity to play, I'm bringing it because I'm trying to establish myself as a player because this team is young and they don't have, you know, they really haven't, I would say, um, you know, proven themselves yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing, too, is I think it goes, we forget about it some, but I think there's a lot more parity. And this gets talked about, but not as much, right? I think there's a lot more parity in the NCAA today than there was even five or 10 years ago, right? And I'm looking, we got ahead of ourselves in, in pregame in here. We forgot all about the fact we got Furman next. And I'm looking <laughs> at Furman. They're, you know, seven and three. They got this kid shooting 50% from the field, 18 a game. They beat College of Charleston, which we saw earlier is a great team, right? Beat them in mm-hmm. overtime. Um, there's some good, like, teams that no one's ever heard. I'm not saying by any means that Elon is good. Uh, and no offense to Elon. You know, they're just outmatching a team in a game like that, right? Like, But there's a lot of games that I think are going to be closer than, you know, especially our fan base is going to be comfortable with. But, you know, what we got to do is, is uh, you know, keep keeping our foot on the gas, you know, on the throttle, whatever you want to call it. You got some guys that look, you know, we haven't really gotten to the point yet. Like Brady seemed to struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kerwin Walton got a text before we started from our friend Ross at Inside Carolina. Like, you know, he hasn't really gotten going. And, like, Brady looked great to start. He's looked kind of, you know, uh, regressed just a little bit. Like, you know, it's a long season. Nothing nothing negative to say about him. But, like, we haven't gotten to the point yet where, like, everybody's clicking every night. Mm-hmm. And that's what our really good teams always seem to do is like, yeah, you might have one guy with an off night every now and then, but you know, you weren't getting Marcus or Bob or, you know, you name the, you name the role player, uh, having an off night two or three games in a row. Right. And so that's, that's another key thing there. And, um, you know, I think we, bottom line is we won four games in a row against, you know, some couple good, good teams, couple not so good teams, but you know, at least we're winning the games we're supposed to win. 
uh, and, and by a decent margin. Yeah, and, you know, Sleep, you've got the Furman's last five games pulled up on the monitor. Um, you know, they lost to Winthrop, and Winthrop is a – they've always been traditionally yep. a very good – a very good team, and they, they they bring it. They're like one of those mid majors that where you know you go there, it's going to be a dog fight. Mm-hmm. And there's you know there's mid majors like Butler was one of that for a mm-hmm. long time. I'm not sure what you classify Villanova or Gonzaga are they are they powerhouses or are they mid majors now? At this point, they're probably powerhouses. But yeah, they definitely came. From, well, Villanova's always been blue chip for the for the most part, but Gonzaga was definitely like a Butler. Um, yeah, and you know Winthrop is just like one step behind yep. them. So. Um, yeah, this is going to be a good game. I mean, we should win. We're Carolina, and we'll be quite honest. Uh, you know, we should win this game. But this isn't this isn't a game where you show up and they just okay. Well, Carolina won. You got to bring it. Yeah, these guys shoot the ball well, scoring eighty four a game. You know, the field goal percentage is forty seven. They you know they rebound and, and assist at a decent clip. I mean, they look like they play pretty good. Eight and a half steals a game as a team. That's a lot. I don't, I don't care who you play, man. So it seems like. You know, they've probably got – my guess is is that Furman probably has like three or four seniors and a, and, and a handful of juniors, and they're probably a, a team that's used to playing together. And, and that's – those are the teams, in my opinion, you always got to watch out for. Those are the ones that always wind up making it the tournament and, you know, busting brackets up is just because, dude, they're – they play together. Um, you know, I think I think that, that chemistry is – there's so much proof in those scenarios. We're still looking to find a little bit of it, but I, I mean, I think we are still, no matter what, I think we are far ahead of where I, I really kind of expected. Caleb Love, man, is is so much fun to me to watch. He is quickly becoming one of my favorite Tar Heels that I, we've has ever been there, and I love him because he came back when. I've talked about this in prior episodes. He came back when, you know, sort of everybody was dogging him. And, dude, he's having a hell of a year. He goes out there. He's confident. And, you know, uh, his stats show it. And his game on the floor shows it, man. He's just aggressive. And that's one one thing I'll say that I noticed watching the game against Elon that I struggle with a little bit is, you know, we've talked some about how they're spreading the floor a lot. Mm-hmm. It seems like they were taking a lot of shots, uh, you know, around the perimeter and, and this is always, in my opinion, something that you see in college and mainly in college with young college teams is that, you know, when the shots aren't falling, you know, they, you got to be committed to get to the rim and get to the free throw line. And it seemed like we just kept shooting and kept shooting and kept shooting. And instead of starting to look for ways to get inside and get easier, easier, um, easier looks. But yeah, I sleep. I agree with that. You know, one thing that, you know, everyone kind of gets confused is to play a good game, you have to score. That is that is so false. Listen, if you're a player, keep it right there. I'm about to mm-hmm. hit those stats. But if you're a player, you know, your whole mentality is just come out there and score. Think about how many parts of the game you're forgetting. Like, you know, defensively, you got to bring it. You got to be on help side defense. You've got to get the loose balls, rebounding, passing, all that, running the court, playing with, you know, a passion. That all makes a huge difference. Bringing energy, all that is things you can do without scoring. Mm-hmm. And especially college kids, they get really caught up into scoring. And you know, let's just be quite honest. Sometimes players aren't the best at scoring, but they do other things. They're extraordinary rebounders. They're very good defensive players. Like I think Leaky, you know, Leaky's having a hell of a year. Love what? it. He's playing. He's playing unbelievably defensively, and you could see his confidence coming up in other areas too. So I think he's playing well. And even Anthony Harris, he. Can he comes yep. in off the bench, brings a lot of energy, busts his tail and playing well. I like that. But when I look at tomorrow night, Furman, you said they average 
you know, eight and a half steals. And then they averaged 83, pretty much 84 points, 83.9, but we'll give them 84. That just, to me, it says they may play more of an aggressive style of defense. They may trap, Mm -hmm. they may press, and they may try to run the ball. They average more points than us. We average 81. Um, so this is going to be a fun game to watch because UNC is not scared to run. That's what we do. You know, I'm looking forward to this game because it's going to be up and down style of basketball. That's the way it should be played, in my opinion. I hate it when coaches try to be basketball savants and play chess. Mm-hmm. No, let the players play. Bring it up and down the court. I love it. And more shots, you know, more basketball. I'm all for it. Bro, you brought up a good point. And this is going to be – we're going to channel a little Sleep Dogs high school days. You probably have no problem with this, but it does it does freak out certain teams when they come. And I don't know when hell, dude. If you don't know by now, we don't have a clue what Furman does. Uh, I, what do you think? They're uh, how do you think you say that? Their their mascot. Paladins. <laughs> what is it? I'm guessing it's Paladins. Might be Paladins, but that sounds too much like Aladdin. Their little thing is a little little. Aladdin-esque uh, little logo. Don't know what a what a Paladin, Paladin, Paludin. I know what a pollutant is, but uh, yeah, not sure. My point is, we don't even know what they call them. You know how to call, how to pronounce them, much less what style of defense they play. But you mentioned the trap, right? And that just like just sent shivers down my spine, dude. Because when I was in high school and like a team would play like aggressive trap defense, it was like miserable, dude. Like because you're used to just. You know, everybody playing kind of a 22, like half court or whatever. What was it like? And I know you know when you're, you know, you're scout, you know, you're scouting the teams that you're coming up against. So you know sort of a little bit they play zone, like Syracuse, obviously, always play zone, right? It throws you off your rhythm a little bit. But what was it like, maybe not with you, but like with some of the guard play when you come up against a team that traps a lot? Because I just remember, dude, like now I played on some, some of the worst teams maybe that have ever held a basketball but dude, the trap will really disrupt you is what I'm getting at here. And yeah. and it's like a momentum thing. You break that trap three or four times early in the game and you run up about fifteen to four and it's over. Mm-hmm. Like they got nothing else to go to. Uh, but they start, you know, trapping you and getting you out of it's like, okay, maybe, maybe they're up seven, eight early or late in the first half or something, all of a sudden it has disrupted your entire rhythm and you need something to happen to get back into a rhythm. So from your standpoint, let's assume they play trap. Hell, who knows? Uh, how do you think that affects us? Uh, or well, in general, how does it affect the trap, basketball team? Well, when we played, uh, if you remember Clemson, they had Oliver Purnell as their head coach. That was his whole style is press and then trap and try to break your rhythm. But the thing is, you know, we had Ty Lawson, we had Wayne Ellington, we had all these guys guys. where, you know, you you put two on the ball, you know, it's hard enough one-on-one. You're really leaving yourself exposed um, in other areas. Mm -hmm. And so you got to, you know, one, you got to find the opening and you got to have people move. And then, you know, moving without the ball is a huge deal. Um, you got to move to open spaces and continue to move the ball. Then you'll get a, then, you know, you'll take advantage of the opportunity because they're at a disadvantage. Once you pass out of the trap, it's a mad scramble to, uh, to match up. Um, but the trap is trying to break your rhythm. To me, I think they would probably do more of a full court press if they're, you know, scoring that many points a game mm-hmm. and they're trying to speed the game up, which you know is going to be really, really exciting. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers Louisville uh, with Rick Pitino. He did that the full court, you know, press trap the whole time we played them my junior year in the Elite Eight. I think it was Charlotte. Um, 
They had a pageant uh, in the big, mm-hmm. big in the middle. That was one of those games uh, where you know Patino's known for his up and down pressing style, Oliver Purnell. But you know you got to get get the big man. You know, for me, uh, we have Dawson and Brady who can come right to the middle and mm-hmm. put the ball on the floor, find the open man. You got to find those openings. So that's really big out of the trap and press. Uh, moving as a team and moving without the ball and trying to put yourself in position to where they can make that pass. I'm be I'm be honest with you. I'm a little uneasy about this Furman game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there. Uh, nonetheless, heels. You know, line isn't out. Heels got to be a you know 17, 18 point favorite at home on this one. I don't know. I'm excited to look at this one because because you know it might be might be a close one. I, I bet the line is about eleven and a half. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I'm going to say it's going to be 15-ish, and uh, wouldn't be surprised if we didn't cover it. But, hey, way to go out on a limb, sleep dog. Uh, anyway, and then following that, subsequent, we'll, we'll have UCLA. And we'll, that's in Vegas, which brings in a whole different you know, set of meatballs to the conversation. Uh, not sure what that means. But um, kids, 18, 19, Vegas, UCLA, prime time. I mean, I know they're there. I know they mean business. Uh, there's gotta be somebody on there going to the roulette wheel. <laughs> there always is. And we'll be honest, you know, I don't care how old you are. You're going to, the temptation is going to be there. Uh, but you know, for me, when I look at this, you know, you got a long flight. UCLA is much closer. Uh, the time zone is going to be a much bigger issue to me. I'm not sure if it's an early game or what time the game is, but that's where my thought goes. Um, and uh, I know UCLA is uh, – they're a good team. Uh, they had a good run last year, so we know they're capable. They have a really good player. I think his name is Zhejiang. Um Yeah, he's averaging yep. 16. So that's going to be a good matchup with him and Caleb. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this game. You know, I, I think this this team made a run to the uh, the Final Four last year. And so – um, listen, they they played the play-in game. That's how crazy college basketball is. Damn, they're has fourth in the country right now. Yeah, that, that wow. I mean that would be a big. This is gonna be a big game for us. I'm excited. Uh, Their big. only loss is against Gonzaga at home, or maybe it was neutral court. Was not at Gonzaga. But. I'll be there, so I'm excited. Looking forward to it. What the you think, Sleep? Hulk just gonna be on the just slapping them waters back. Uh, man, this is a big one. I did not realize that UCLA was was so highly ranked. Looked like a pretty good defensive team. Yeah, I mean, it's 3 o'clock tip. It's a Saturday. 3 o'clock in Vegas is 1 o'clock here. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's 5 o'clock here. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be you know one of those weird deals. Like, I mean, that's an early tip on a Saturday if you're a college kid thinking back. I don't know if I, how many days I got up before 1 o'clock in college. I mean, these kids are like, you know, they're used to this sort of stuff. It's It'll be fun to see. I hope we see the Purdue team versus the Tennessee team in this one, right? Like, um, And I think a lot of that will – I think that makes the Furman game matter even more. Like, do we do we show up and show out and do what we're supposed to do? And and now we've we've won five in a row and we're headed into our you know our next sort of reckoning because you you beat Furman convincingly. We're already tiering on the top twenty five, and you go in here and you show up and, and and win a game against UCLA. I mean, you're not just going to be back in the top twenty five. You know, you're going to be in the top twenty round round 15 somewhere because you you shown back up and you strung some some big wins together heading into conference play so i mean i just think that this these games really our schedule this year is interesting because we've got a lot of really important games that sort of set the tone for what we're gonna do you know in the conference of course 
preseason stuff, rankings, like we keep talking about how it really doesn't matter, but I think it does in terms of sort of the psyche of the team and, and, and the momentum that we're trying to build uh, to sort of rebound from a couple, you know, lackluster seasons. And, and, and we got to remember, like most of the players on the team uh, haven't had a lot of success here yet. And, um, you know, this is, this is a chance to really – uh, put a stake in the ground. You know, Michigan was a great game. You know, can we back it up with another, you know, good win? And if so, I think all of a sudden, nationally, everybody's looking at us in a lot different light. Yeah, and, you know, I think uh, I think Hubert had a really good uh, thing when he said in one of his press conferences is he said, North Carolina basketball isn't just winning one night. It's winning, bringing it every single night. And uh, I liked when he said that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's bringing it against Furman. That's bringing it against UCLA. And so I really liked what he said there. But, you know, Sleep Dog, I've been on UCLA's campus. Have you ever been on UCLA's campus? Now, UNC has an amazing, beautiful campus. And it's uh, it's hard to top that. UCLA is in the same same category. Campus is unbelievable to me. I mean, beautiful, great weather. Um, I don't understand why they even had any bad years or how they had a difficult time trying to get people to go to UCLA, yeah. but it is amazing it's campus. Los Angeles. Yeah. Dude, they won a forfeit this year against Washington. Like, all it says is – it looks – I'm like – Probably COVID. Yeah, it probably was, but it's fascinating because it's like UCLA last five. On the fifth of – so last week – the week before last, they won a game, and it says in the it shows up as a result of two to nothing, and I was like, well, well that's got to be a mistake, and they they won by forfeit, and I don't know why. But defensive, what a damn defensive, defensive battle! This <laughs> juggernaut must have run four corners for thirty five <laughs> days in a row. Uh, yeah, so that you know we got two big ones ahead for the Tar Heels. Uh, by the time you talk to us again, you know yet again we'll know a lot more about who we are, and uh, I'm excited about both of these games. Um, and you'll get our thoughts if you follow us on Instagram. Um, yeah, we'll be putting some bets down. SHWW will be represented in the sports um, sports betting section. Probably not on this game, but maybe. I don't know. Uh, in a lot of other areas. So, you know, hit us up in the DMs. Let us know what games we should bet on. And uh, if anybody has any book them, lock them, pick them, uh, shout out to Sheed. Yeah, picks. anybody but Sheed. Or me. Let us know. Yeah, me and Sheed, we're about as uh, reliable. We're reliably unreliable. That's what I'll call us. Um, Brian Kelly, man. <clears throat> Let's talk about that dude. So this guy, his team is fighting for a playoff spot, college football playoff spot, and he just bolts for LSU like before the game or before they even know if they're in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I – that move to me, I get the move. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I understand. I know some people kind of argue, like, why would you leave Notre Dame? Dude, guy, out of here. LSU, that's a big-time job. You know, you're getting a bunch of money to go down there, I presume. Recruiting's got to be a hell of a lot easier to get kids into LSU than it is to get them into Notre Dame. Um, so I get the move. I just don't like it well, the way it went down. Um, you know, I, I don't know. We don't have to stay a, a ton. Did you, ever, it, but- you, ever, you ever eaten gumbo? Uh, I think so. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. It's damn good. It's good. It's really good yeah, a in Louisiana. Spice to it. A little kick. It's really good in Louisiana. The weather's nice in Louisiana. Oh, yeah. It's real cool there Campus is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the football stadium's pretty damn nice. Probably state-of-the-art. They play in the SEC. Um, Notre Dame, South Bend, it's cold. She's yeah, their city- mascot is a tiger instead of a leprechaun. So, I mean, 
South Bend sucks, man. Dude. I'll be honest with you. That place, like, good God. If anybody's ever, you know, driven through South Bend, don't stop. Keep driving. Um, I, You know, yeah, okay, Notre Dame alum. All right, oh, it's such a great place. It's a, it's a really cool, like, I've been there. Believe me, my little brother went there, and uh, I've been all through campus. I don't get it. Uh, it it's got to be a hell of a school because – why in the hell else would you go to South Bend, Indiana? Um, for all the great things I said at UCLA, South Bend is not that great of a campus. They do have some good sports programs, um, but it just shows you like full circle, you know, how South Bend was like this place to go back in the day. But now it's just like, you know, it's, it's a tough place to get players to go. And so um, I'm not sure – why he left um, because it seemed like he had a really good deal there and it seems like he had nothing to worry about, but I guess, I don't know why he bolted for LSU. I think I know. I just Googled it. Uh, Brian Kelly's contract with LSU tops list of 10 biggest deals in college football history. He just signed a hundred. Wait a second. Yeah, it is. Kelly is due to make a hundred million dollars over the length of his deal with LSU for ten years. Yeah, but the thing about that though with sleep is, I saw that, and he didn't even go back to Notre Dame and try to give them the option to redo his deal and negotiate. He was already set. He was gone. Now the thing about LSU is they'll fire their coach within two or three years if he's yeah. not producing. So how much of that he'll see, I'm not sure. Dude. But I mean. <laughs> You know, it seemed like at Notre Dame, you know, if 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 I'm him and I'm coming at it from a business standpoint, I see what the outs are at LSU and I see if I get fired in year three, how much money do I make? Okay, so I could take that and I go back to Notre Dame. I'm like, listen, I want seven years guaranteed and I want ten million guaranteed whether you fire me or not. And I would see if they would do something like that. But I think he really got excited about LSU. And, you know, in all honesty, Notre Dame's a great school. They have a lot to offer. Rich, rich football um, history, great place to go. LSU, the same thing. Uh, They've got a lot to offer, both schools. So it's a really good situation for him at the end of the day. A couple high-level things. First of all, I get it. I'm with you 100%. Like, at least go back. But, dude – it's God, man, it's easy to recruit at LSU. And if you're and Brian Kelly's a hell of a coach. I didn't realize how good of a coach he actually was. Like everywhere he's been, he's been really, really good. Um, hundred million dollars. It says here it also includes a five hundred thousand dollar bonus for every bowl appearance. Bowl appearance. Mm-hmm. Which is like, dude, Carolina's going to a bowl game. You get five hundred dollars, you go to Duke's Mayo Bowl, you get five hundred grand. At LSU is near guarantee. It says the Tigers have played in a bowl game in 20 of the past 21 seasons. I think the one they didn't might have been some sort of thing where they got uh in trouble and couldn't play. I could be totally wrong about that. But dude, he's gonna make a lot of money. I totally get it. Um and and dude, those Alab- that first Alabama LSU game, oh boy, I would not want to miss that. That's gonna be mm-hmm. electric. Um anyway, something else before we get out of here. Uh I'm trying to look at how long we've been going on about this. The uh yeah, so the Formula One thing, dude. So I don't know, for those of you well, obviously, you know, pretty we lean pretty heavy towards college sports and uh, telling you how much we don't know about football. 
but I'm assuming that most of the people that listen to this podcast also have a Netflix subscription. Most people have a Netflix subscription. I'm surprised to learn how many people have watched the Drive to Survive Formula One uh, Drive to Survive Netflix documentary. And if you're anything like us, we watched it and now all of a sudden we are uh, F1 connoisseurs. And so yesterday, uh, as we're recording, Sunday was the uh, 2021 championship. It all came down to Max Verstappen, all versus Lewis Hamilton, Red Bull, Mercedes. And dude, like, if you haven't seen this, I'm sure you've read about it because it's one of those things where like F1 is still way out on the fringe, right? And it's still like not a mainstream sport, but Netflix has made it super interesting. If you haven't watched it, you need to, I don't care what you're interested in. You'll love this stuff. Um, Dude, yesterday the the race is finishing. Lewis is just up big. I mean, there's no way. They're literally on TV talking about how it's a foregone conclusion with about eight laps left. He's up by like 17 seconds. Unless this dude's tires just explode, and probably more than one of them, he's gonna win. And some dude crashes that's totally irrelevant in some other turn, and they have to bring out a uh whatever they call it. Not a pace car, they call it like some other kind of thing, right? So everybody's like, the races, there's certain rules to how this works, allegedly. Apparently not, and as it, as it would as it would turn out. So um, at the end of the race, I mean, they basically, essentially, I'm, I'm dumbing this down for my own sake, let Max Verstappen, who, let him pit, let him get fresh tires, which in Formula One is like, <laughs> you know, like might as well have a... a, a space shuttle at that point mm-hmm. and they let him right up on the back of lewis's bumper and they say we're not going to finish this we're going to let these guys quote unquote we're going to let them race it out and at third point you're basically like tying lewis's leg and arm behind his back and dropping the green flag for one lap and as soon as the lap goes max bam hits it goes around him and and wins the race no questions asked and dude we got heated i did not realize that the big hawk was a max verstappen fan but it was a heated exchange. Old Big Dan. I was very rarely my own cam side or his cam on my side, I should say. Uh, but dude, we disagree on this one, man. I thought they literally tarnished the entire sport in the season and how they handled it. Well, little backstory on this one is this was for the world championship, not only the race. So it came down to the two drivers, Lewis and Max. I had watched the Drive to Survive series and I loved it. Um, I highly recommend it. And it's really cool to follow F1 and see all the cool places they go. And, you know, when you watch the Netflix series, you can, you know, you kind of get a feel for the guy's personality and, you know, what they're about. And for me, um, Lewis Hamilton is probably the greatest driver ever. And all the things that he's accomplished. But then you have this young guy, Max, who's trying to make his name. And I just like his determined, uh, like, He's so determined in his commitment. Um, but there is, you can't like Lewis and like Max. It's kind of like, you know, liking Duke and UNC. And I don't know who's Duke or who's UNC in this scenario, but I'm just Max using. Max is definitely Duke in this scenario. Well, Sleep either, Dog's opinion. Either way, it comes down to this one lap, and we thought Lewis was going to have it. And then all of a sudden, Max get those new tires, and he's right on Lewis's you know, right behind him, right on his rear, uh, just to, you know, for that final lap and boom, 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 and just passes him. And then we have one other buddy, uh, Big Dan, who happens to be a Max fan. And I think the 
you know, big part of the reason we're such, you know, Verstappen fans is because they're Lewis fans and that it drives, it drives them crazy. How can we pull for this guy? For me, I just love, I love talking shit to them about it. And I could see how passionate, you know, of Lewis Hamilton fans they are. So it was a big day for us and we call him Mad Max. So, uh, Max, I know you're listening to the pod, so congrats, buddy. And uh, I am a big fan of Christian, but I also am a big fan of Lewis's, uh, you know, Mercedes team principal and Toto. I really liked him. Um, it was really tough to pull against you, but not not Lewis. Uh, so I understand why you guys are upset, but it was high drama. And SHWW, we love the drama. Dude, It we love the drama. It's the most drama we've seen on this show since the Bachelor season. Uh, it definitely, I mean, that the thing you could walk away with is like, dude, whoever the CEO of Netflix is, I can't remember his name, but dude, he's somewhere smoking a cigar right now because it is lights out. When this thing comes back out, because they are doing the season, they're recording the whole thing, and now everybody cares. I mean, dude, Netflix is going to be to the moon next year when this thing rolls out. It was un- it is pissed as I am. I think it was total bullshit. It is literally one of the worst um, outcomes, in my opinion. I'm not even – I'm a Lewis fan, but I'm literally trying – this is honestly how I feel about it. I'm not salty because, let's face it, I just started watching this shit six months ago. How could I claim to have that big of a stake in it? I literally think this is like one of the most criminal decisions in the history of sports that I've ever seen. Um, it was that bad to me. Uh, but there is no doubt about it that the damn storyline on this is just – holy shit, man. I can't wait to watch that. Documented. And there's few things in sport where like there's so many personalities and sometimes you just see things or you just like, there's no way they can do that. And it just makes you laugh. And you get a lot of that in the personalities in Formula One. And I think one of my favorite tweets that I saw in a long time was years ago, there was this driver who had lost a race in Monaco. Oh, yeah. That was and, uh, Kemi Raikkonen, whose last race was yesterday. Yeah. And so anyways... Something happened, you know, engine, whatever. Well, anyways, during the race, you could see him chilling on his yacht in his hot tub, just slamming beers and smoking a cigar. And I just thought it was absolutely comical. And probably watching the race on his big screen, it was it was hilarious. Yeah, these guys make so much money. They're so like, you know, they 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 have ardent fans because it's you know they're they're it's global, right? Like, there's a lot of European influence there. Um, there's so much money involved. It's just really really fascinating. So uh, you know, it's one of those things where. It's been really fun to watch. It delivered, even though old Sleep Dog wasn't too happy about it. I mean, if you ain't on board with it now, you got to go back, watch the documentary, and you will be next season, that's for sure. So, um, anyway, it was it was electric. And never mind the fact that it started at like 7 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. So, uh, all you dads out there, this is probably the one chance left you got to you know, have some time to watch this stuff to yourself. Uh, anything else, Big Hawk? What else? Uh, stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. <laughs>